I can't feel my fingers anymore. I lied. They're, they're, they're numb. Maybe you should wear these extra gloves. My hands are starting to get sweaty. Backhand towards the goal, loose puck, everybody scores! Tie game! Can you believe it? Defended by Simmons, is this the dagger? Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of Frostbite Sports, brought to you by Blue Collar Media Group. I'm Harrison Brooks, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Oak. What's up, Jeff? Oh, you know, just chilling. Had a great weekend of football. Looking forward to the next week, buddy. We are also joined tonight by a couple of our BCMG boys today. Uh, or today, tonight, whatever. Uh, we got Davis Cordova, and we got Andrew Kahn. How's it going, boys? Oh, it's going good. Uh, Je- I don't know what next week is for football because all you have is uh, the All-Stars playing Madden. <laughs> Sports so. in general, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, guys. Just me. It's your friend Andrew with uh, a couple of hot takes. But coming off of a fantastic weekend of UFC product, baby, and I am fired up. Let's go. Andrew is our uh, UFC guy. He runs the Boomtown podcast, so you should check that out if you're a big, boom- or if you're a big uh, UFC fan. But we're not talking about – well, we'll talk about that a little later. Become but. a boomer. Become a boomer. Get your chance now to be an early boomer. <laughs> That's going to go so wrong in so many ways. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, uh, a lot has happened uh, since me and Jet were – since our last episode. We got hockey back in full swing. We got some blockbuster trades in the NBA. And the Super Bowl matchup is set. But tonight we're not going to – talk about those things we're going to mix things up a little bit from our usual routine and give you a special hot takes episode so how it'll work is pretty simple we'll just bring up some spicy takes from the world of sports and uh kind of argue our case about it and see if we can piss off davis a little bit in the process so without uh wasting any more time let's kick things off with my first hot take the buffalo bills are frauds yeah you heard it so I'm going to start this off with a little bit of a preface. You know, it's obviously this team is legitimately a top 10 team in the league. But when you account for expectations, they're frauds. And I'll dig into that a little bit right here. So we were all last week, Bills beat the Ravens. Lamar Jackson was terrible. And we were all very happy to be able to call Lamar Jackson and the Ravens frauds. Thing is, Lamar Jackson was so bad that we all kind of just glossed over how bad Josh Allen was. That's two games in a row now that Josh Allen has been terrible. Two out of three playoff games where he literally hurt his team. We're not talking just played below average. We're talking literally hurt his team. They're lucky that the Ravens just happen to be bigger frauds than they are because Allen only led his team to 10 points against Baltimore. That's all he could muster. And a defensive score made the game 17 to three. Then against the Chiefs, he finished with 287 yards, two TDs, one interception. Not bad, right? Like, you know, you can't really ask for too much more than that. Well, not really. Just under half of his yards. 
and one of his touchdowns came in garbage time. The other touchdown was a three-yard pass after Miko Hardman fumbled a punt inside the 10-yard line. And all of that came on under 60% passing. So if we're keeping score here in his last two games, he only completed passes at a 60% rate. Bye-bye newly found accuracy that we've all been talking about for the last two weeks. And he only managed to string together six drives of over 40 yards. And he turned that into three field goals, two touchdowns. Two of those drives and one of those touchdowns was garbage time. That leaves just four drives of over 40 yards for three field goals and one touchdown in two games that he led his team to. So now I hear a lot of, well, you know, it's Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like, they're the best team in the league. You can't compare the two. Are you fucking serious? Hasn't everyone been comparing the two for the last two weeks? Haven't we been hearing about how the Bills are the fucking new team? They're the best team in the league. They're hot. They're going to beat the they're going to beat the Chiefs. They're going to go on, on to win the Super Bowl. Like, am I remembering this correctly, or has it just been like a fe- COVID fever dream that I've been living in? No, because... I don't think you're crazy. Because oh. on Twitter, I saw plenty of that. Everybody wanted to see the new look Bills do this thing. And I just, I don't know, I kept shaking my head at it. And then I thought I was crazy heading into the game thinking, oh, maybe the Chiefs are done. I, I don't know. I, I was almost convinced by the, the overwhelming support to the Bills. Right. So uh, now all of a sudden that Josh Allen gets completely outclassed by a better team and a better quarterback. Now we can't compare the two when a week ago we were talking about them as being the Super Bowl favorites. Like, are you fucking serious? This doesn't make any sense to me. And so, but uh, you know, I have to admit that I, I do get that it is his first time in the AFC championship game. Mahomes also lost his first time in the AFC championship game, but Mahomes actually did something in that game. That was a close game. It was anyone's game. Could have went either way. Mahomes played great. And, you know, he could have been booking his ticket to the Super Bowl. Ended up not going his way. Allen did not. He didn't do anything. So to wrap up this rant, I'm just going to circle back to the Ravens and Bills game. Baltimore at the time, they're on a bit of a hot streak. And they were being talked about as a legit contender again. Then they got embarrassed by the Bills. And then everyone went on and started talking about the Bills as legitimate contenders and, you know, all this hype trains going, going crazy. And then they get embarrassed by the Chiefs. So, I mean, what's the difference between those two? Right? What's the difference? Where, why can't we, if we're calling the Ravens frauds because they got embarrassed by a better team in the Bills, why can't we call the Bills frauds for being embarrassed by a team in the Chiefs? It's just like a sliding scale. You just move the scale up one and we saw the exact same thing happen. So, I mean, I just think we have to be willing to, you know, take what we saw and apply it it to previous information and call them what they are, which is frauds. Is this an open floor to join in the discussion, Harry? Oh, yeah, man. Because I'm going to. I don't think your take's all that off. I mean, we shit on Lamar Jackson so quickly. We're like, ah, this guy is overrated. I'm on it. I was on it, too. I said he was a top 15 quarterback. Everybody's like, oh, he's in the top 10. It's like, nah, not yet. Not yet. Maybe next year when he wins his first playoff game, then I'll say he's in it. Um, or his second playoff game, I guess, sorry. Uh, but here's, here's my take on what you're saying. I don't think the Bills are overrated. And, and the only reason why I say that is because you look at the nucleus that is in place with this, this crew, and everybody says, that, well, they weren't supposed to make the playoffs. A lot of people said that. And at the start of the year, I said, Look at the hell they have. Like, if they don't make the playoffs, then then we're talking about them being frauds for sure. That defense is lit. 
They have two arguably great 1A, 1B wide receivers. And even Gabriel Davis at times has looked really, really good as a third piece for that team. The one thing that I said at the start of the year that's going to kill this team from being contenders was the fact they don't have a fucking running back. All season long, Devin Singletary is not going to win you or get you to the Super Bowl. Zach Moss is a rookie. The expectations were out the window the second he was drafted. This team is based upon Josh Allen and his ability to get out of the pocket. And what happened yesterday? He just stopped moving. So I would say – I wouldn't say the Bills are overrated or frauds. I would say Josh Allen right now is about a year away from reaching my fraud list. He has to be able to be a, a, a non-Jekyll and Hyde type passer as well. Because we, we discussed it on, on all of our, our socials. We've literally said that no matter what, Josh Allen this year showed improvements in his accuracy. I can think we can all agree on that. But there's this other side of him that flips off like a switch in the most clutch opportunities, and he just misses. 60% of the Chiefs, folks, you got like, to be an 80 to 90% completion ratio, or ratio to beat the Kansas City Chiefs because there's a guy on the other side of that football field that is dynamitely accurate and can fucking rip you apart. So I think Josh Allen learned a very valuable lesson this weekend in how to be a humble because you're going uh, – the, the conversation for weeks has just been those two going at each other. Patty Mahomes is a bad man. And until you get to that stage, the AFC says it's not – there's nobody in that division. I, was, I look at right now. Roster to roster, I, I, I don't think anybody can hang, hang with the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I just, I just can't. Patrick Mahomes is an all-world talent, and I am so glad that we get to watch this in front of our eyes because this kid's on year three, and he's got a chance. He's in his second Super Bowl in three years. He learned from his lesson. Now, Josh Allen, will you learn from your lesson? Yeah, fair enough. I, 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 and like I, like I said, starting it out, I don't, like, I don't think this is a bad team per se, like – but based on the expectations that everyone put on them over the last few weeks, over the last couple months, really. When you go 12 and four, I mean, the expectation should be this is a, a very good team. So, well, basically, since they got dismantled in the regular season by the Chiefs, yeah. since then they've been, you know, one of the hottest teams in the Hot league. We all, thought, we all thought they turned a corner. We've been talking about how accurate Josh Allen has been. Well, they did. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, they did, did they? Did they, they, they turn a corner? Because they, 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 the they went eight and it was, one. It was the they exact eight, same game. Hold up. Nope, hold up. Let me, let, me, let me talk. They went eight and one. Their only loss was the Hail Murray in Arizona. So, I mean, they, they could have almost gone nine and oh and fought for the one seed and had that game in Buffalo, first off. Um, Second well, off. No, because, uh, I mean, they didn't really turn a corner. They just played worse teams, and they never actually got better. The game last night was exactly the same thing that happened in week six or whatever it was when the yeah. Chiefs just dismantled them. They didn't, they didn't improve at all. Josh Allen reverted back to last year's Josh Allen, threw for 60% in two playoff worst, games. We're not, we're not talking about just one. We're talking about two at the, at the worst time. We're talking about at the most important time of the year, Josh Allen reverted back to his former self that just wasn't very good. So, yeah, I think they're frauds based on what everyone was expecting them to do. I'm going to well, let Davis finish, and then I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. When you're, for, when you're number one running back, Zach Moss goes out with an injury, and you're forced to put Singletary, like Andrew said, who can't lead you to the Super Bowl, um, the defenses are going to make you pass. They know you're going to pass. Um, they're going to put cover twos out there the whole time. You saw that last night. They, they never allowed the Chiefs to 
consistently pass the ball until you said garbage time. And that's yeah. because they lacked off. I mean, you just. But I mean, but the Bills never. It's had hard. A great it's hard to. It's hard game. to. It's hard to play like yourself without your number one running back, who allowed you to. Allowed your game to form in other ways. We're not talking about an amazing talent at running back here. We're we're talking about Zach Moss. He's okay. He's average at best. Okay, Bill's running game was okay. never a big part. It was never a big part. It was never a big part of their their game, anyways. Buffalo just needs to establish one thing before. Sorry, to, to cut you off before you get in here. Buffalo needs to establish one thing, and that is, all right, we got a defense here. We can ball out that way. They've been they've won games for that team. Josh Allen has to, you know, maybe figure out a little bit more on how to use more guys than just two options. I mean, I feel bad Cole Beasley played. He came out today that he's playing on a broken fibula. So, I mean, how – I mean, that guy's a gamer. So, he's, you know, you got a couple of studs there. I mean, the biggest thing that's going to come down to is the Buffalo Bills this offseason need to spend money in an RB. It's as simple as that. Try to make a trade. And a pass rusher. Yeah, and a pass rusher. And a pass rusher. I mean, it, it was very evident. Patrick Mahomes had zero pressure. I mean – Patrick Mahomes is zero pressure. What's going to happen? Guy's going to fucking light you up. And he did exactly that. When it was 9 nothing, I said, this game is not done. Everybody's like, oh, this game is finished. The Bills got this. I'm like, easy. That's the best quarterback in the world over there. And, and he's uh, about to tear this. As soon as he's completed about three or four passes, and then that 51-yard jet sweep, I'm like, yep, here we go. This is, this is where it happens. I don't even think I looked up off my phone when it was 9 nothing. I was like, yeah. Just wait, wait till Mahomes gets the ball back, and then I'll watch. And the uh, other but yeah, Jet, we're gonna. Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. Yeah, Josh Allen's body language. The second they went up nine nothing, and he looked at at Patrick Mahomes storming the field on that next drive, where they ultimately got that touchdown. Josh Allen's body language went from, yeah, like I'm super happy we're doing this to, uh, shit, we just opened it up for him. Pandora's flood box is open. And uh, well, I'll, I'll touch on this later, but. I actually think the Chiefs enjoy uh, being down early in games. I think it, it gets them like hyper-focused because one of their biggest problems all year have been getting a big lead, letting teams get back, and then having to dogfight it out to the last. So I think they love it when they're down 10 nothing in the first quarter. But anyways, Jet, uh, going to you, thoughts on, thoughts on the Bills being frauds, and then you can jump straight into your, uh, your hot take. Sure, definitely. So um, I think with – uh, your point about them being overhyped, I'm stride for stride with you there. I 100% agree that for for at least two weeks, they were overhyped. Now, granted, coming into the season, I'm with you, Andrew. Yeah, they were one of those teams that it was like, okay, let's see what they got. Well, we saw what they got, but we hit the point where we're saying that the Chiefs are going to lose the Bills, and that's where I drew the line of like, okay, this is getting crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so I think – the Bills are actually exactly on pace with where they're supposed to be. I think they're exactly where they should be, losing in the AFC final. They're very close. They're not quite there yet. They need to refine Josh Allen's game, and they got to get him weapons. We, we've gone over this a million times already just in this episode alone. Um, so expectations next year, however, they're going to be high. They should be high. Now let's see if he's for real or not. And that's where I'm at with the Bills and Josh Allen. Just to sneak in there quick before you go into your hot take, I think the Browns are a better team. And we'll Ooh, see that next year. That's another hot take. I'm full of them today, man. But uh, uh, off to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to get into the Super Bowl. And this may not be much of a hot take, but I really kind of wanted to dive into this game and in particular how I think the Chiefs can win this game. 
Uh, it starts with the obvious passing game of the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been the best all year and continue to do so. Might be for a decade. Who's, who knows? But uh, the reason I want to point this out is because, granted, the Buccaneers have been playing better in the secondary in total throughout the season. They are the 21st best secondary in the league. That is a major problem when you're going up against debatably the best quarterback in the world right now. Uh, another issue that this team has is time of possession. They finished 21st in the league with 29 minutes per game. If you give Patrick Mahomes more time with the ball than you have with the ball, not only is the ball not in the hands of Tom Brady, but it is in the hands of Patrick Mahomes, and that's an issue. Uh, the turnover battle is pretty close here. Uh, run ranks, I think you can throw right out the window. Now, granted, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a terrible run game statistically, just running, not catching the ball, just running. But um, the Kansas City defense is, is more than prepared for whatever kind of run game they're going to have factored in. So it's going to be a very heavily throwing type of game, and I think that turns into a shootout. And in a shootout, I think I want 25-year-old Mahomes over 43-year-old Brady. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But if it's going to be a shootout, I, I like the young gunslinger right now. I will say, wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Mahomes gets sacked at least five times in the Super Bowl. Um, that was because Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher tore his Achilles. Um, yeah. So – They've been next man up all year with those boys, though. I mean, well, yeah, even but Eric Fisher's a former number one round, uh, first overall pick. I mean, yeah. yeah the sure. rest of their yeah. line is like undrafted free agent, seventh round pick, uh, like yeah. cut, and cut our, earlier in the year. Like, it's crazy. And, and they and they still only allowed twenty four sacks all year with all of those guys. Fisher just happened to go down now. All right, explain to me how they're going to stop Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, Jason uh, Devin White, and Indomitian Sue from. Uh, rushing We're not. Patrick Mahomes like they did when the Packers this last Sunday when they were without David Bacardi on their own line. I don't think any of us are disagreeing with you. Like it's that's a that's the biggest problem facing this team well, going into this game. I think if anything, the biggest worry for that defense is not about getting through the O line. It's about what happens when they get to Mahomes. Are you going to be able to catch him and get him down? How good's his foot going to be feeling in two weeks? What happens when he rolls out? Tyreek Hill, if he has an extra second, is gone. Yeah. And is Antoine Winfield going to be back for the Super Bowl? I, I think so. I'm sure he will. Be. I hope so. I want it to be as healthy and good of a lineup on both sides as possible. I want a showdown. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's kind of more or less just from looking at the, the numbers. It, it looks to me like there's not going to be much of a run game on either side. Both of these defense are very capable of run, shutting down runs. And if it's a shootout, like I said, I'm just – I have such a hard time picking up against Patrick Mahomes, even if it is Tom Brady. Well, hey, I, w I will say we have seen playoff Lenny come to life uh, these past few weeks, uh, Leonard Fournette. That yep. run that he had, that 20-yard that spin move, uh, that, that was the best play I've seen him do in his All whole year. football career. I mean, his yeah. career, yeah. really. That's this is his best play that he's uh, – done so easy um, the guy made it to he made it to the afc finals at jacksonville yeah but that was on the four, back of blake bortles he had a four touchdown performance <laughs> don't tell me he was on the back of blake bortles that is easily leonard fournette's best game ever okay i said best play not best game okay okay fine i'll let it go 
All right, since we're going to be talking about some Super Bowl at the end of the show, let's uh, move on and hear some of our resident UFC expert talk about McGregor. What you got All for right. us, Andrew? All right, folks. Well, UFC 257 has come and gone, and I'm just going to say this right now to you. All you McGregor fans, you McNuggets, you McBakers out there, it's McOver for you. All right? This is what's going to happen. I've heard nothing but people on this man's dick for the past seven to ten years. And rightfully so. The guy has built him up himself to be an elite-level person, right? Like, we all agree that no matter where you go, if I say, man, I can't wait to watch the fights, and everybody goes, oh, that's where Conor McGregor's from, right? You could be the most – you wouldn't even know what the hell I'm talking about, but somehow you would know that Conor McGregor's in the UFC because he's just done a, a superb job of getting his name out there. But, folks – Let's look at his record, shall we? In the last seven, I'm combining the Mayweather fight, seven fights, professional fights, he is three and four. All right? Stop. Stop now. Because he just took on a very game Dustin Poirier, and Dustin Poirier whooped his ass. And if anybody tells me that McGregor had a chance in that fight, you are wrong. He hit 29 strikes. That's not going to kill Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier has been in absolute wars with guys like Max Holloway, a guy who just set up a UFC record for 445 punches combined. All right. He's fought Justin Gaethje and beat him. The guy was the interim champ. All right. There has been nothing but disrespect being shown to Dustin Poirier into this fight. And I even said to myself, I said, man, Connor is the ultimate businessman because when I was watching that fight card, what did you see every break? In between every single fight break, it was hype. Conor McGregor this, Conor McGregor that. Proper 12 this, proper 12 that. Like, you've just given him all the momentum. Just kick your ass because he's got nothing to fucking lose. I mean, no one was talking about Dustin Poirier's hot sauce except for at the press conference. This guy does something pretty phenomenal, too. He has a great charity that he gives back to, which I will say Conor did help out a little bit and contributed some of his money uh, of the fight to that as well. So Connor looked a little bit more humble, but folks, if you think Connor is an all elite fighter, it is over for you. And here's why. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. And if I'm the matchmaker, Sean Shelby, and I'm, I'm deciding which fights need to happen in this Chandler versus Poirier is the fight to make for the interim or for, for the lightweight championship. Everybody said to me this weekend, well, Michael Chandler doesn't stand a chance. Michael Stanley does this, this, this. He's facing Dan Hooker. I'm like, you guys understand that he just came from another organization where he left the belt behind him? He was the Bellator lightweight champion. And Dan Hooker is supposed to be this scary, intimidating guy. And, and props to Hooker for taking the fight because in the UFC rankings is everything. So when unranked guy comes into your, your division and you take that L, you're going to drop. It's just – that's what's going to happen. And, and Hooker took that chance when nobody else would. There was fights offered from everybody. But nonetheless, the fight to make is Chandler Poirier. And McGregor needs to fight Nate Diaz. This is the fight to make. All right? Now, hear me out. Everybody's going to be like, oh, it's overdue. It's overplayed. They both won one. Connor's coming off a loss. Nate's coming off a loss. It is a proper fight to make. You know, and I've had a lot of people to be like, well, that's so silly. You shouldn't be talking about this. McGregor should be fighting fucking Habib again. I'm like, that, tri that ship has sailed. Habib's not coming back to the UFC. No. Habib had a chance. I was hyped up as ever this past week when he was behind doors with Dana White in a potential meeting of him coming back. 
it's just not going to happen. So all you McGregor fans, like I said, three and four does not earn you. I understand the hype is there, but it doesn't get you to being the number one guy. All right. You beat Donald Cerrone, who didn't throw a strike in that fight, who I think threw that fight on purpose, but that's the story for another day. You lost to Habib, Poirier, Nate Diaz, and Floyd Mayweather. You beat Eddie Alvarez, who was shipped out for a pan of cigarettes after he was done to one championship. No one even knows what he's doing anymore. And, and, and I mean, you lost to Nate. Uh, you beat Nate Diaz in a boxing match, which I didn't think was a thing. But nonetheless, folks, Connor's hype train needs to be pushed back a little bit. You can be a, I'm a fan of him. I think he's great for the sport. I think he brings a hype that, that is very much needed. And, and look at the cards. Pay-per-view numbers don't lie. I mean, this guy sells fights. He's one of the greatest promoters of all time. He is, he is what he is. But when, he, when you want to say he's an elite-level mixed martial artist or an elite-level fighter, that conversation ends here. That's my hot take. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I think, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not too well-versed in the world of UFC. But, yeah, I think, I think you're right, man. You, you see it all the time with fighters. You know, once they, once they get on that, it's like a, a switch is flipped. You know, once they get on that, uh, you know, they lose their first one and then maybe they win one, then they lose another one. It's like, all right, pretty much yeah, it's you're like done. The, you know, it's like the hype train when Brock Lesnar came back to the UFC. I mean, Brock Lesnar, what does he bring? Hype and ticket sales. And he's just a guy that's a big personality and the world needs that when it comes to like, when I watch a card, I want the guy with a big personality to sell me on why I'm buying that card, mm-hmm. right? And Brock Lesnar is 500 in the UFC. He's four and four. And he, he, he isn't that great, but guess what? Every time he goes in there, he's like, I'm going to get a Bud Light instead of Coors Light because Coors Light doesn't pay me shit. Like, that's the stuff you want to hear as a, fan, a fight fan. You just want to hear the bad guy. If wrestling in, in WWE, everybody hates the bad guy. In the UFC, if you're the bad guy, fucking everybody loves you. And that is, that is the best part of the UFC. If you're a guy who's outspoken, no one likes Brock Lesnar. No one's openly going to admit that they like him. But guess what? You're going to watch his pay-per-view because he just said, I'm going to bang somebody's wife on fucking TV. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's, and that's where Connor is. Connor is the ultimate hype guy. Brock Lesnar, another great hype guy. But, like, the, the conversation with Brock ended. I mean, he got beat in his last fight. He's just – or he tested positive for steroids, sorry, in UFC 200. He'll never be able to come back. I just – and with Connor, I hope Connor – I know he's never going to listen to me, but I hope Connor takes his time comes back and works on his wrestling because Dustin Poirier took him down once. And I knew the fight was over right then because it was the easiest takedown I've ever seen in my life. And what did he lose to, but with Habib, a takedown. So, and what did he lose to Nate Diaz on getting choked out on a takedown? His wrestling needs to become much better to be an all elite MMA fighter. Yeah. Fair enough. I think the fear too is on like two different spectrums here. One side is the fear is that we're going to see the, the like, UFC not pay attention to Connor as much anymore, and there, therefore it's going to actually hinder the UFC with future cards, like with the hype and all that. But on the other side, the competitive side, I think the fear is that the UFC actually doubles down on Connor, and then you've got the issue of he keeps getting his ass beat, and guys that are supposed to be up there yeah. are not getting the shots that they're supposed to get. I, and for, for all intents and purposes, I don't want Connor to be like the gatekeeper of the lightweight division. Like, if you beat Connor, you get a, a title fight. Like, I don't want that to be his or circumstance, like you kind of alluded to. But yeah. I, I think um, Chandler made up a really good point in, in his uh, post fight. He says, Habib's done. 
that, that, that ship has sailed. Let's move on, folks, because that's why they brought me in. They want me to be that man. They don't bring you uh, bring a guy who's a champ from another organization just to be a flub. I mean, that's just the, – the, what the lightweight division for years has been laughed on, and it's been a joke, and now it's the strongest division in the UFC. You know, like the lightweight has Charles Oliveira, who's on an eight-fight win streak. You got Max Holloway, who just absolutely decimated the brakes off of Calvin Cater. You have – Poirier, Chandler, McGregor, Nate. Like, this is a deep-ass division. So, I, I, I kind of want to see if Dana White does what Bellator did and have a lightweight tournament to decide who will take the vacant belt. Oh, that'd be awesome. Be cool. Be great. I think the sport needs it. All right. Uh, we're going to move on here. And uh, before we dive into the rest of our hot takes, I just want to take a minute to tell you about one of Blue Collar Media Group's sponsors, livingmybestcigarlife.com. They have over 1,500 premium cigars, various size humidors, gift sets, as well as name brand accessories and monthly specials. Check out their Facebook at Living My Best Cigar Life and their Twitter at My Best Cigar Life for more info. And when you make your first order, make sure to use My Best Cigar Life in all caps for a $10 discount. Don't just live your best life, live your best cigar life. And for any ladies out there listening, we didn't forget about you. And neither did loveyco.com. They've got all the latest fashions and tips at great prices. So if that sounds like something you'd be into, head over to loveyco.com and put in the promo code BCMG for 10% off your first order. All right, we're back at it with some more hot takes. Jet, why don't you kick us off with a basketball take? Yeah, okay. Well, I've been keeping an eye on the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, they recently traded for a certain James Harden out of Houston, which is a very big deal. But I've been keeping an eye on the lineups with these Nets, and uh, I'm noticing a bit of a trend, a bit of an issue that this team has. And it has me thinking that if a certain trade doesn't happen involving perhaps a JaVale McGee, or even they have their eyes on a Kevin Love getting bought out and signed, uh, they could be in big trouble. So here I'm going to go. KD and Harden. They have played together twice. No, pardon me. They've played together three times without Kyrie Irving in the lineup. Nope, pardon me, it is twice. <laughs> January 16th, they played against the Nets. Now, they, they won, and it was 122 to 115. KD dropped 42 points. Harden dropped 32 points. They really had no issues. Clicked well. On the 18th, they played the Bucks, beat them by two, 125-123. This was a nice rounded game of 39-6 and six for KD. Harden had 34-6-12. and 12. Both, both those guys were able to not only score their own ball, but they were able to get the ball moved to other guys and make sure that the spacing was nice all night. When Harden and Kyrie joined together, this was on the 22nd. This was the second game of the back-to-back against the Cavs. Kyrie had 38-1-5, and, and he'd taken 24 shots. Harden had 19-5-11. He only got 14 shots. Their bench was outscored 53-31 to 31 in this game. And it was very clear to me that the difference here was there's no KD and there's a discrepancy in shooting. Now, all three of these two to, or all three of these guys together, they played two games. One was on the 20th against the Cavs, where they went to double OT. In this game, we saw KD drop 38-12-8 on 25 shots. This is a standard line that Kevin Durant should have. James Harden had 21-4-4 on 14 shots, and Kyrie had 37, two and three with 28 shots. Your point guard shot the ball 28 times in a game that went to double overtime against a team you're supposed to kick the shit out of, and you lost. 
your bench got outscored 44 to 10 and you're left going, what the heck just happened? The other game that the, all three of them played together, it was uh, just not yesterday, the day before it was against the Miami heat. We saw a standard line from KD. You're always going to get your 31, five and five, whatever. So, so he had 31, uh, four and four Kyrie. 28, 6, and 7 on 17 shots. Harden, 12, 7, and 11 on 8 shots. And once again, this bench got outscored 35 to 26. The two obvious issues with this team is they have no bench whatsoever. Every time any of those guys comes off the court, instantly the other team has an advantage. And when, like I said, when your point guard, the guy that has the ball that controls your offense and decides what's going to happen each play is shooting as often as Kyrie is, you're going to have an issue, especially when you're taking the ball out of the hands of a guy like James Harden, who's about the only guy in the league that can rival Kevin Durant in scoring. So I don't know what they're doing, what their plan is, but all I know is they're a better basketball team when Kyrie is not on the floor. If it's going to continue to be those three on the floor together, they will not make the East Finals. I think this team, uh, I mean, we, we talked about it when, just personally when it happened and, you know, I, I never thought that this was a smart trade for them to make. Um, obviously you're getting a super elite player in James Harden, but it just never seemed like it was going to work with Harden and Kyrie at the same time. Um, both ball dominant guys, both need to be taking shots. Um, but now that they're there, you know, I think, I think they got to almost move, not, not fully six man. I think they almost need to move Kyrie into a six man role so he can Kind of dominate the floor when hard. Not, not, not like I'm not saying he needs to be the six man. I'm just saying they need to like stagger their minutes. So yeah, what you're saying, but it's kind of two, two of them on the court at, at once, and kind of always have two of them on the court instead of taking, you know, both of like all three or both guys off or something like that because it just doesn't and, make sense to me. And but and I 100 Ky- Kyrie is not gonna from, not gonna go for that. So from a coach from a from a coaching standpoint, that is 100 percent correct, and that's what you should do. The issue is the personalities we're dealing with. Now, first of all, KD's resume is flawless, and you flat out can't not have him starting. He's, he's a he's must start one. always on on every team. Um, Harden is. Basically, the next like if if KD's in this perfect circle of you cannot have him in any other situation than starter, Harden's on just the next circle around that. Kyrie should be a guy that can go into a six man type of role. Now, obviously, he'd play more minutes that within that, but the staggering totally should be what he is. They won't do it because they're afraid that Kyrie's just going to quit playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was. It's a recipe for disaster. Um, if they can figure it out, obviously it's a recipe for success. But uh, just having all those three personalities uh, and the well, way they this, play. This uh, team with the bench scoring that's happening against them, like it's 42 to 19 against the Magic, 44 to 10 against the Cavs, 53 to 31 against the Cavs. You can't have that. You're going to get completely killed by teams. We and then, about- oh, and then the other thing on top of that, is you don't have a big man. I'm sorry. DeAndre Jordan, you're washed, dude. Brutal. So I'll go into that a little bit, talking about this, and I kind of like your DeAndre take because the dude is a scrub. He's not even close to what he was. I watched that Cleveland game this weekend, and I went, what the fuck is he doing on there? Like, he's just he, – he doesn't fit – the he, he spaces out the floor well for Kyrie, but that's it. 
Like, that's the only purpose that I think DeAndre Jordan serves. He's done. I mean, it's like watching Marcus all on the Lakers. You're like, yeah, just stop. Like, it's just, it's, it's bad. It's so bad to watch. It's a train wreck. But with the Nets team, and I said this when they made the trade, too many egos in one damn place. And that is going to continue to bite them in the ass no matter how you look at it. We're just sports fans, you know. We're, we're, we're people who work in sports media and enjoy what we watch. So, for us, it's a great talking point. But from a locker room standpoint, that fucking team is in shambles. You can't tell me there's, there's just no chemistry there. You know, like what, the first two games when Kyrie was out, I, I saw a little glimpse of it that gave me a little bit of hope. I saw James Harden on the sidelines getting ready to check in, and Katie had just missed a shot, and James was clapping for him. He's like, it's okay, buddy. Shake it off. Like, you got this. You know who you are. You know, and was prep talking to him all the time. And I was like, that's what I want to see out of James Harden because the one thing that we've really lost key in is that James Harden, when he wants to be, can be a leader. And it showed me when he was on the sidelines. Great camera angle, by the way. Whoever did that angle nailed it. They're getting a raise. But, like, James Harden, it's just too many egos in one pot. And I've said this about so many teams that have too many weapons can be too good of a thing. And, and, and with floor spacing and Kyrie taking 28 shots. And when I was watching that game um, against Cleveland, I just said to myself, like, what are you doing? You know, like, James Harden wasn't getting the ball passed to him at all. Kyrie just kept doing what he does, which is drive the lane. I mean, that's the Kyrie Irving textbook. Drive the lane. Maybe he's got a, he's got a silky smooth jump shot. So take it, I guess. But, like, you got to get James Harden activated, especially when you're sitting there and you're trailing 10. Like, I want James Harden to take all the threes because this guy is absolute fucking money out there. Well, and another thing with James Harden is uh, a really underrated part of his game is he's able to actually slow games down uh, with his ability to go to the free throw and line. Kyrie, yeah, and Kyrie's so the opposite, right? Like and, up-tempo, go, go, go all the time. And that's why I said when this trade happened, I said, fuck, this isn't going to work. KD and Kyrie, yeah, that would work because – Katie has the ability to put up 30 no matter what. And like you alluded yeah. to, Fred, there's his stat line is what it is. And he's arguably one of probably top two best shooters in the NBA. I mean, I think Steph's number one. He's cooking again. I mean, you look at his just everything about Steph's is like, but yeah, but nonetheless, I don't want to get sidetracked from that. This team is going to be a disaster and they need to figure out some complimentary pieces because after losing Levert, everybody's like, whoa, what's going on there? Like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, that ah, fuck. And then Dinwiddie got hurt. And I'm like, oh, man, now this whole team's in a uh, – this bench needs a ton of help. So, yeah, let's, pick I, up, let's go pick up James Harden. Like, I was like, ah, that doesn't make sense. You've their got roster is not what it's going to be by the end, I don't think. And that's like, why I, I agree with you that they will, they will not make the Eastern Conference Finals because they're going to get blown out in the first round. They yeah. don't find themselves a big in the next two to three weeks. Like, I'm saying the window's that small for them to find a big because they need to. I don't know who has bigs available right now, but like there needs to be a trade made and it's got to send some kind of couple a complimentary piece like Kyrie over. So, you know, it's going to be a, a decent big. You uh, know? Let, let me suggest the, uh, the team that they just completed a trade with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Andre Drummond's not going anywhere. So Andre Drummond. I mean, he's Kevin not love. Going. Kevin love, Kevin love. Yeah. But is Kevin love what he used to be? Not for Kyrie Irving. Like, I mean, that's just, he, that they're in a world of a, a weird situation, especially with, like I said, with the injuries that have happened on that bench. I mean, we've seen it all over the place. Bench scoring has become the biggest part of any team. I mean, you got to have a guy, you got to be able to have at least four to or three to four good guys that can get you 40 points a night. Like when I watched that Cavs game, the bench was amazing. I was like, oh, damn, like they got guys just coming out of nowhere. And I'm just like, they're putting up, you know, 
eight, nine points each. That's a good bench. When the Raptors were a decent team two years ago and they made it to the finals, what they have? A really good fucking bench. And that's, and that's what teams need to adjust to. And that's, I look at Brooklyn, I'm like, hey, James Harden's great. And Kevin Durant's great. And Kyrie Irving's great. But uh, who's next? And I think that's kind of what I was getting at is if you have to play with those three on the court pretty much at all times, I think the ball has to be out of Kyrie's hands and it has to be in James Harden's hands because he can slow the game down and give you the rest you need on the court. I, 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 I think that Kyrie Irving and James Harden, it's an iffy subject, but I, I think James Harden should be the point. Kyrie Irving should be out on the wing. I agree uh, with that. James Harden is a better passer than Kyrie. Kyrie yeah. is a better ball yeah. handler. Yep. And at okay. the moment throughout the season, Kyrie Irving actually has a higher three-point percentage than James Harden. James Harden's shooting 32% from the field, uh, from the three-point line. Uh, Kyrie Irving's actually shooting. He did kind of mail it in for a couple games, though. I was going to say, he packed his bags and was like, fuck this game. So, I mean. Or this this has been since um, he's been on the Nets. Gotcha. Right. Again, at the 32%, I'm not going to take anything away from James Harden. He's still running chemistry. He's still trying to find where he fits in on that. I know, but he's better at passing the ball and shooting. Right. He's a much made. better distributor of the ball. No doubt about it. Kyrie, like I said, the best thing that makes Kyrie is the, able for, or the ability for him to open up the floor spacing by himself because he's so damn good at ball control. It's nuts. Like, he can break your ankles kind of like AI used to. Like, that's mm-hmm. how – you know, his ball handling is like that. So, Andrew, uh, do, do you know how many uh, assists James Harden is averaging since he's been a Brooklyn Net? Six? Twelve. Damn. Damn. Well, I guess it is. Let's, let's and that's with barely getting three. the ball. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah let's, let's just go. It's been three games. Like, I want to see that stat line after that. Uh, exactly. I mean, but still, but 36 ever, assists in three games. I mean, yeah, that's if he still a lot. Seven, 12 assists per game, hell yeah. Put him as yeah. point. Let him run it. And I, uh, before we move on here, I just, if they end up having to trade Kyrie for, uh, for someone, can you just imagine the meltdown that Kyrie would have? He might retire. Kyrie might retire. Like, I'm not even, he might retire. Yeah. He, he literally, like, when they just talked about the last little mental break that he had, he said he wasn't sure if he wanted to come play basketball anymore. I'm like, oh, so that's my point guard. Like, that's another thing in the situation. I'd be like, yeah, cool. I got a guy who doesn't want to play on my fucking team anymore because, like, just doesn't know what he wants just, to do in just life. Just send him like, to the T-Wolves to play with everybody else that doesn't want to be Everybody in the that league. wants to go die just goes <laughs> to Minnesota. Like, sure, go there. I mean, they they probably could use Kyrie Irving, how bad they are this year. But, like, uh, <laughs> man, it's it, I feel for Kyrie because the talent that he has is all world. His ball handling skills we've alluded to, he's so good, man. And, and he can break your ankles on a dime. But, like, the one thing that's alluded to him his whole career is that he's always had to have complimentary pieces. When LeBron left – what happened? Cleveland yeah. fell apart with him at Reigns. I mean, and, and Boston too. What happened when fucking people started? They got better without him. They got better without him. And this just keeps happening time and time and time again. And we're looking at it again. I'm like, fuck, this team's better without Ky- Kyrie. And I, I hate saying that because Kyrie's such a good player. It's like, ah. Uh, but, yeah, I think if he gets traded, he's probably going to walk away from the game. He's a, he's a guy who he needs to be able to recognize – what he needs to do for the team to be the best, but he can't. All he can see is that I'm super good. Give me the ball. It's him and us. He can't recognize the fact that I'm not even saying like you need to take a reduced role. You just have to sometimes recognize that you're not the one, you know, you you just gotta, you gotta recognize that there is somebody better than you on your own team and you have to 
you have to be okay with that. And I don't think and it's, is. it's this very reasoning that you're giving me, Harry, that's that I like the same reasoning I'm using on Harden of the reverse of giving, I've been giving him nothing but props since he became a net because just knowing the competitor he is, I know that he's got to be gritting his teeth every once in a while. Like, are you fucking kidding me? This guy, you know what I mean? But he is, he's biting his tongue. He's paying his dues. I respect that a lot. And he lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Day. The Jenny Craig all fat diet was like fucking boom on that guy. Yeah. I got it need for a day and a half and he lost 75 pounds in chicken wings. That's impressive. But, um, that's, that's I would say, I would say that Kyrie right now is very much flirting and I know he's got a championship, but he's very much flirting with Russ Westbrook to be the exact same kind of player. Like he really is. I mean, Russ wants the ball in big situations, always wants to win the game. And what do we see time and time after with Russ Westbrook? Doesn't get it done. Kyrie Irving can't do it by himself. So, I still think I could sit down and have a beer with Westbrook, though. I, I don't think I could talk to Westbrook. I wouldn't know what to say to Kyrie. I'd be like, hey, so the earth isn't flat. So, Andrew, hold up. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Russell Westbrook is top five in clutch moments in the last five seasons. And how many championships has he won, Davis? Yeah, dude. Uh, Shut he up. can't win. He can't win. You, you don't win big games. The conversation ends there. You can, yeah. I, this is, I will say I this right now. Davis, you're an analytic guy. All right. And it's cool to be an analytic person. I don't live in an analytic world. I look in the what have you done for me lately world. And Russell Westbrook is in the same category as Kyrie Irving, even though I will say again, Kyrie Irving. Russell did Wilson's, I mean, Russell Westbrook's out of his prime. On the backpack of LeBron, Kyrie Irving won a championship. Okay. I won't, I won't take that away from him. He's got, he's got a ring. Russ has tried and tried and tried again and has never been able to carry his team to the promised land. And until that happens, this conversation ends. He's in the category by himself of a guy who, yeah, can hit big clutch shots in the regular season. Can't do it in the playoffs. Can't get you there. Yeah, I uh, got to agree with you there, Andrew. Uh, I know Jet knows that I'm a very big uh, Russ Westbrook hater. Um, but for that reason, I like him as a person. I think he's a good person. Him, I'm just saying. like, for I just don't think – I don't think he can – yeah, like you said, I don't think he can get it done. But anyways, let's, uh, let's move on to our next hot take here. I want to jumping back into football. This is something that I kind of came to me watching the Packers and Bucks game last night, and it's a little spicy. So uh, brace yourself. Cool. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has what it takes to be anywhere near the goat conversation, and I will tell you why. Here's the thing: for for years, for his entire career, we've been told kind of two things, you know, about Aaron Rodgers. We've been told about the insane talent level that he has, which is true for the most part. And we've been told that Green Bay's management has basically squandered that talent with bad coaches, you know, not picking up right players, poor defenses, stuff like that. So, which is also true in a way, but I'm going to dig into both these. So again, I'm going to start off with like, don't hear what I'm not saying. He's obviously a fucking fantastic quarterback but when we're talking about the goat he's he doesn't have what it takes so he's when he's in gunslinger mode and he's engaged and it's basically it's Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes they're the only two guys in the league who can do what they do as consistently as they do it and it's amazing to see in the highlight packages but you know when he it's 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 when you look at the game I I just Okay, sorry, I got to word this the right way. As talented as he is, he is not he doesn't really have enough to show for the amount of talent that he has. 
in his career. He doesn't have the accolades to go along with the insane amount of talent that he has. And so, I mean, why is that? You know, partly it is because the management issues, like they, they've had bad coaches, they've had poor defenses for his entire career. And that, that definitely hurt him. But, you know, the other thing for me is I don't think he has that X factor. When you hear people talk about, you know, that guy's got it. He's got the X factor. He just, you can see it when he plays. And so this is, this is where it just comes down to what I saw in that game. I don't remember a time when I've watched a Packers game, and I'm not talking Packers versus Jets or some bullshit like that. I'm, I'm talking like a real important game. I don't remember a time when I've watched a game and I was like, it doesn't matter what else happens because Aaron Rodgers is getting the ball and he is going to win this game. You know, I don't, I've never sat down and watched Packers game and thought that Aaron Rodgers is just going to win this game because he's Aaron Rodgers. And I have thought that about Mahomes, definitely. You know, like we were talking about them falling, the uh, Chiefs falling down 9 nothing to the Bills right at the start of the game. No one was concerned. You know, everybody was like, okay, well, this is just, you know, this just happens sometimes, you know, it's, it, this game's, this game's far from over and it's still, if you're betting live on that game, I bet you the chiefs would still be, you know, the favorites to win it. And I don't see that with Aaron Rodgers. It seems like when Mahomes or Tom Brady, they get in those, those zones, you can, you can see it. There's something on the field that you can't put your finger on, but you can see that they are, it's just like almost inevitable that they're going to win. They're going to yeah. find a way to win. It's that like game. the game's already over you just and know. it's still going. Yeah. Like I said, Josh Allen body language and Patrick Mahomes took the field. It's just some guys got that. I don't think it's a non-spicy hot take either, Harry. I think you're pretty much on the lines. You know I, what I, I hate to, I, to admit, Harry? He completely mirrors Peyton Manning. He does. Yeah. He really does. I, was, I, uh, I will say, I will say I have watched an Aaron Rodgers game where I knew he would drive down the field and win. And Andrew knows the exact game I'm talking about. That was when the Cowboys were the one seed in the NFC. <laughs> He drove down the field and why bring that up game. now i'm just trying to um because i'm proving the point well yeah. so that, that's that he thing. has done those things he has done it. Yeah, uh, you're right. i've never said i never said he hasn't done those things you did you said he never no 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 what i said was i've never felt comfortable okay. that i know he's gonna do that yeah you know well, he's he's the only who he's obviously who, who do you trust to do that tom brady patrick, patrick mahomes, mahomes is that it but that's what we're that's talking about here. We're talking about the goats, man. We're talking okay, about if, if that, some if of the best the people two, that we've ever seen do it. If that's the only two, then who are the other quarterbacks that have done what Aaron Rodgers has done? Aaron Rodgers is a really, really, really good quarterback. Let's not get that's, away from the fact. Yeah, but the Davis, goat, that's how goat, it started. Goat, it. The, goat conversation, the goat conversation stopped because he ain't touching it. He's one in four in his last five conference games. Like, and you know what? And uh, last night, last night, or whenever this gets dropped and you watch the game, you need to understand one thing. His defense did everything possible to put them up in a winning situation. And um, Aaron, Rodgers got sacked, Aaron Rodgers got sacked three times in two drives. That's something Matt Ryan does, not Aaron Rodgers, okay? Aaron Rodgers knows better, and he knows to get rid of that ball because he knew what was going on in those circumstances. A 15-yard loss, a 9-yard loss, a 16-yard loss on three sacks, and – and Tom Brady gave that game to them on a silver platter. And we're here's, talking about the GOAT. Here's he a question. Goat. <laughs> like, here's a question for you guys. If Matt LaFleur went for it on fourth down and the Packers scored and went, went for two. And they, oh, hold on. If, go ahead, go ahead. if he went for two 
and they won in overtime, would we still be having this conversation? Boom. Thank you. That's exactly where I was going with but my, that, this, with that my becomes, argument next. Hang on, Andrew. Oh, oh, I got oh. this one. On, and on when we did our break room, uh, BCMG break room before the game started, I got cut off. Uh, we, were, we were closing out. I wanted to dispute – I want to dispute Steve there a little bit when he was rambling on about how amazing Tom Brady is and how he wants to suck his dick or something like that. I can't remember what he was saying, but uh, I don't know that that is what he said every week. Yeah. I mean, he says that every day. I was ready to say, uh, cause he brought up Aaron Rodgers and how someone in the media said that if Aaron Rodgers wins this game and wins MVP in the Super Bowl, he's becomes the goat. And I wasn't ready to say that, but I was ready to say that if he does, does those things, he would be firmly in the conversation of the GOAT. You know, I don't think he'd ever get it because he wouldn't have the amount of stuff that Tom Brady does, but I was ready to say that before the game started. And then I watched this game, and that's when I, that's when I noticed, like, I don't think he has that GOAT X factor. You yeah. know, like... He's really like we, good. He is, oh, he's very he's good. Really like good. I said, he's, he's probably the, you know, him and Mahomes are the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen play. Throwing-wise, yeah. I'd for sure say that. Yeah, so, and then, and then you brought it up, too, with the, uh, you know, late in that game with fourth quarter, right? Uh, or uh, fourth, fourth and goal, they ended up taking no, it. third, dude. But so on third and goal, yeah. Why didn't he what, run that fucking ball? Why didn't he run? Like, that's. You can't be the only one who watched that game and went, what are you doing? They just let you have that. Yeah, and like, yeah, that, but that then the, the quarterbacks always I, come back and say, like, the, it looks way more open than it actually is right you i know? totally understand that factor but i, I will say down you know will he, say he forced, he forced the throw into a terrible spot without like he could have he could have got yeah four almost yards. got picked yeah he yeah. could have got four yards and then they're on the four yard line instead of the eight or whatever they That's were exactly yeah. you know, do you think take, take that was the, the question i had for you guys do you think mahomes in that situation even with his fucking turf toe do you think there's any chance he doesn't go for that corner oh, when he has he's going for it right Mahomes is a game yeah, Patrick Mahomes is 25. Aaron Rodgers is 37. Aaron, Rod- is Aaron Rodgers can run, man. Aaron Rodgers can still run the ball. I, I, know, I know what you're saying, Davis, and I respect that, but I will also not agree with that because Aaron Rodgers is down to the very last days of his career. In fact, we might not be talking about Aaron Rodgers next year the way that he made things sound after the game. So, I mean, for him to be in his age, where he's at, and you see that hole open up the way it does, you take the hit because your team's going to be – it could be fourth and one. I'd rather that situation – then to throw the ball off. And like Jed alluded to, damn near got picked off. Yeah. Take the hit, secure your spot, because there was no way, the way that Tom Brady played in that second half, that Tom was going to be able to drive the field. Just, yeah. he played awful in the second half. He played half. awful in the second half. And so that, that was Aaron Rodgers. My... Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur need to get on the same level, and they didn't, and it cost him the game. Three yeah. points, wasn't going to get it done. That, okay, that, yeah, that kicking that field goal uh, is just a, that's a rant for another day. Oh, but. Um, this is my other question for you guys. So just take, take Tom Brady in that game out. Like, don't, don't, uh, don't think about Tom Brady in that game, but think about if James Winston. What? No. Oh, oh no. Okay. No, just think about if Tom Brady was in the exact situation that Aaron Rodgers was or Patrick Mahomes, those, cause those are the kind of two guys that I can see is, you know, have that, that it right. And three interceptions in a row when you're down eight, and you have a chance. Do you think either Tom Brady or Mahomes are leaving that game without some points, at least a field goal in those three drives that they got? Not a chance in my mind. Like there's no chance that you're down eight, that they're not at least getting some points with three straight turnovers. The thing, the thing that's made Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes so great is that they always go for the win. They always go for the win. I mean, we get jugular. 
yeah, they, they know what it takes to slice your throat open and win the game. And there was no way that on fourth and whatever it was, three or four or whatever the fuck they were at for that, that, that last, um, what was it, 30 seconds of the game? There, there's no way that Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes go, you know what, I'm just – we should take the field goal. You see Patrick Mahomes do it every time. It's fourth and one, fourth and two. You see Patrick Mahomes brush off the defense and the kicking team. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going for the win because I'm playing to win, and that's what should have happened last night. When but when did Aaron Rodgers become the head coach? Just when when did I miss that? Where was when that? did all the controversy been when Mike McCarthy got fired? What was what was the number one thing that happened there? Aaron Rodgers wanted to call the plays. What happened last night? Matt Lafleur. Exactly. Let Aaron Rodgers. Okay, but you you can't compare Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes to Aaron Rodgers on coaching decisions. Right, but I'm saying when it comes that. when it comes to winning. Who, what, the, what, the, what have they done? What do their resume state? They've won. What, they brushed off the kicking field? No. Yeah, but That's I mean, what you he just also, said. He also, the play before that, he also had a chance to go for the touchdown. That, wasn't, that had nothing to do with the play call. That had something to do with just doing what needs to be done to win, and he didn't do I it. I love Aaron. I love Aaron, but he looked like he was scared when he was running that ball. Yeah. And, I mean, I get it. And, and we're talking about his age. And getting lit up, but like, listen, I'm gonna take the hit for my team because it's fourth and one. I got a chance to go to the Super Bowl because I might not have that opportunity. Yeah, ex- uh, exactly. You know, yeah. and that's where Aaron Rodgers is. Green Bay's a great team, but you got one more shot at it. And I thought this year was the shot for them to make it because that division's gonna get harder, and he's not getting any younger. And now, like I said, listening to his post conference, I know a lot of guys usually do this when they lose big games like that, and they, you know, we've heard it time and time again. But Aaron Rodgers just seems like the guy who, like, if he says something, he's probably going to stick to it. So when he was like, I don't know what's next for me. I don't know if I'm coming back to football. Folks, if we, is this the last game we saw Aaron Rodgers play? That's tough because I wanted to see him go out with a win. And for him to play the way he did and so calmly, or not calmly, but so tentative in the way that he approached that, that'd just be horrible. But he's had a great career, but he's not in the go conversation. He just looks so good in a horseshoe, I got to tell you, boys. Just don't, just don't worry about so it. He, good. He'll go to the Colts, suck it up for two years, and then go play for a division rival. And that's Chicago Bears. Can't so, yeah. that's, an, that's an Andrew Kahn woge bomb. <laughs> Matt Stafford is going to the Colts. It's all but I mean, done. Haven't we all been saying that? I mean, yeah. It's all but done. But anyways uh... – before we close up the show, one. that was like a fun that one. one. That was good. Yeah. So, okay, before we close up the show, I just want to take a quick moment to talk about another sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app that's doing things a little bit differently. They took out the hours of research needed to find the hidden gems that no one else knows about because they keep it to the top-tier players. It's best on best. You spend your cap, you build your roster, and you win money. If you download the app now, deposit some money, a minimum of $20, and put in the promo code BCMG, you'll receive a bonus $20. So what are you waiting for? Download the app, put in the promo code BCMG, and start winning money today. Free money. Free money. To close out the show here, we got Super Bowl 55 is set. It's old man Tom Brady making his 10th appearance, first in the NFC and the first on a team that wasn't New England. And he'll be facing off against the defending champ, Chiefs. Uh, I heard one analyst uh, the other day mention this, and I thought it was pretty cool. We got the goat versus the kid. And what's the name for a baby goat? Kid. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just thought that was pretty clever. Um, so that's pretty neat. And what's also pretty neat is this is the first time ever that a team will be playing the Super Bowl at home. But enough of the fun facts and the wordplay. What do you guys think about this matchup? 
If Tampa's going to win, they got to get to Patrick Mahomes. It's like these boys were saying earlier. I just don't know how successful they're going to be in doing it, no matter how good your defensive line is, because Mahomes is magical. Even though, even though Jace Pierre-Paul has three fingers on his right hand, he could still get to the quarterback and sack him. Um, I don't think fingers the, to sack somebody. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I, I didn't the Bucks have like six sacks on on Sunday, something like that. They played really. Well. They got like 48 on the year. Like it's crazy. It's their, yeah, they're yeah. stupid. Good. They're stupid. Good and you take, you, you take Eric Fisher out of the lineup for, yeah. for the Chiefs. I mean, it's gonna be tough for the Chiefs linemen. Yeah, the way uh, the way I see this game, uh, sort of how Jet Jet mentioned it earlier, and I love I love when matchups happen this way where it's one team's strength is kind of going up against another team's weakness and then their strength is going up against the other team's weakness because that's what we're seeing here today uh chief's biggest weakness is obviously their offensive line right now they're gonna take a lot of pressure it's gonna be a lot of a lot of rushed uh, plays on patrick mahomes but the buccaneers weakest aspect is their secondary and that's where mahomes shines so it's going to be super interesting to see, uh, you know, they, they still can't, they still can't bring the blitz because Mahomes is going to tear up the blitz, but uh, they're going to have to get some pressure with three and four man rushes if they want to win this game, I think, and drop some guys back in secondary. Another fun little stat for you guys is of course being Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl appearance, which means in the Super Bowl era, Tom Brady has been there 18% of the time. That's fucking insane. So, I mean, um, Tom has done, done this time and time again, baby. And, and for him to do it the way he has done it this year with Bruce Arians and that team, it's been incredible. We have a pandemic season. It's a brand new roster. The first time he's been on a new team in 20 years. I mean, just to, for him to click at the right times, this just proves to me that, like, we're talking about Patty Mahomes being, you know, in the aspect of goat talk. This is where I think right now, if you're Patrick Mahomes, you elevate to that next level if you win. I mean, it gets there and it gets a little bit easier for you because that's two Super Bowls in three years. But for Tom Brady, you win this, you're the greatest football player of all time. I'm yeah, a- I was just going to say, doesn't this either seal it for Brady pretty much forever or forever. open the door for Mahomes forever. to catch him? Ever. It's like, you know, if LeBron wins one more championship in the NBA, then we have a conversation on our hands. You know what I mean? Like, And that's, that's where I'm looking at now. Patty Mahomes beats the GOAT. We're looking at a kid who's two for three in Super Bowls which is nasty and unheard of. And then you've got, if the GOAT wins, which, you know, I'm going to roll with Tampa in this game. But if he wins this game, yeah, there's arguably no question about it. There'll be never be a player like Tom Brady. No one will get close. Seven, t- seven Super Bowl rings? Yeah, uh, that would be insane. Which is 70% fun. winning record if he ends up winning this thing yeah. in Super Bowls? I mean, uh, yeah, his, the, the, in his career, the, he's, at, he's been in 48% of the Super Bowls in his career. Nuts, yep. nuts, man. The last 24 hours I've been hearing that the Chiefs beat the Brakes off the Bucks in the Week 12 matchup in Tampa. Um, I will say that the one of the only reasons why the Chiefs won is because Tyreek Hill had one of the best days a wide receiver will ever have. Not so game. 13 receptions, 269 yards, three touchdowns. Maybe it's a He's blueprint. He's not going to do that in the Super Bowl. We'll see. I, I, I can say we'll it now. He will it. not do that in the Super Bowl. I mean, he had a pretty fantastic game last week. If you've got a lock on Tyreek, you would think that that opens up, up something else, though, right? Name Travis Kelsey. And, I mean, they should have 
I mean, Mikkel Hardman will be there. He's a he's burner too, and they should have Sammy well, Watkins about back a at that point. Game for the oh, kid. Oh, yeah, that was that awesome. Was Did you guys see the clip today of of Hardman getting yeah. talked to by Mahomes? Yeah. Give me Mahomes as a leader too, man. Jesus, just going on like shake it off, kid. Let's fucking go. Don't worry about it. We'll okay, go on. You look like Tom. Then he just wraps up for a fifty-one yard run. You're like, and then a touchdown pass. And you're like, Mahomes awesome. knew. Mahomes knew. All right, so, we're we're coming down to the last uh, few minutes here before we get kicked off again. So. Jet, quick pick who you got in the Super Bowl. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win. Obviously, I'm taking the Chiefs too. I can't, uh, can't slander my boys like that, Andrew. I'll take the Bucks, but the Chiefs keep it real close. Wouldn't be even surprised if the Chiefs win it. This is a hard one to call, boys. And Davis? Bucks. Brady, Brady wins in the last, uh, last drive. If Brady wins, does he retire immediately? Yes. <laughs> that would be all. No. I think he already said he's not going to retire. I think he said one more, but I would be like, hey, man. He looks better than like half, most of the league, like yeah. quarterback-wise. So, Anyways, that's our show today for myself, Jet, everyone else at Blue Collar Media Group. Thanks for tuning in, and hopefully we'll see you again next week. <laughs>